Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, Ryan, it's the uh, the new year. I'm sure you have a New Year's resolution. Yeah, I don't. What, what's going on in your world? Tell what's us. going on in my world? Well, a lot of things. I don't like to do New Year's resolutions. I do more goal planning every year. Smart, ah, okay. smart goal planning. And so one of yeah. the big things we're working on is just a more consistent sleep schedule, wake up schedule every day. Um, it's one of my big goals this year. You got any uh, any goals? Yeah, I do. Um, schedule. Um, for me, schedule is huge. Like, you know, just mm-hmm. making sure I'm intentional about it. Otherwise, it yeah. just kind of consumes me. Um, so making sure I, I, I put those things that are valuable on the schedule. Um, time with um, with Tammy, you know, reading. <clears throat> We're starting to listen to books at night, Audible. Oh, nice, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, so, uh, yeah, um, just trying to be more intentional. Yeah, I use yeah. Audible. I've already I've gotten through two books yeah. already. That's and awesome. And I do 1.2 speed. You got to speed it up a little bit? No, nah, I have to slow it down. I slow got 0.8. No way. <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. But I'm not good. I don't read books, but okay. I can listen to them. Yeah. And I really like the Audible. If you haven't um, ever listened to a book on it, it's great. I mean, you can drive yeah. or, you know, we, Tammy and I are sitting at night and just listening to them. Yeah, I use it all the TV. time. Do you uh, do you ever use podcasts or anything? Yeah. Have you ever tried that? Yeah. yeah. Podcasts are great, too. I listen to Money MD all the time. Oh, that's right. You don't listen to us? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe uh, not. You all got right. me. I don't want to put you on the spot. <laughs> Well, listen, we have a great, uh, great show lined up today. Uh, we've got some really good topics. And the, the interesting one that caught my eye, um, it's from Morningstar. It says, um, if you want to lose money, listen to millionaires. Mm. And you would kind of think, you know, a millionaire, maybe they know something about money. But, <clears throat> you know, when you start looking at um, the news uh, to make your decisions, and so there was a survey that was done recently, and it, it uh, it's a good conversation of um, even – you know, if you've accumulated money or you're trying to accumulate money, things not to do um, to be successful. So uh, we'll, we'll dive into that. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. And the second topic today, we're going to talk about just how to lower your taxes in 2024. You know, some money moves you can make. Always good to review that at the beginning of the year, especially if you're not a fan of how your taxes end up for 2023. So just some some money moves to lower those taxes. Yeah, that's good. Good good conversation. By the way, I'm John Travis. I have an MBA in finance. I'm also a Dave Ramsey certified coach have over 32 years of experience in planning for both corporations and individuals. And I'm Ryan Borders. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey SmartVestor Pro. Yeah, that's right. That's uh, <clears throat> Dave's, uh, Dave's a busy guy these days. Yeah, he is. Yeah. He's, he's definitely um, expanding out. I always am interested yeah. in how he manages, because his name is the company, mm-hmm. and uh, he's got other personalities now. His, his daughter is probably the primary one. But uh, well, we're certainly glad to have you listening to us today. We're um, uh, up every Friday morning. You can go to our website, moneymd.net, listen to us. Uh, we have a lot of older um, podcasts, which are interesting. I always reference going back to the pandemic because yeah. <clears throat> I remember Steve and I sitting here, you know, week after week going through the pandemic, and it was um, it was a difficult time um, for the world and also in the markets as well. So you can kind of gain some some lessons going through those difficult times. So uh, go check out our website, moneymd.net. We have a lot of other tools out there and resources. Also a Facebook page, MoneyMD, 
And Ryan, I think you're up uh, doing the prescription this week. So That's go, right. Go check Ryan out. That's right. Yeah, go look at. Go look. If you've never seen Ryan, go look at. They're him. not He's as good as yours, man. Oh yeah, you, right, right. You're the you're the OG. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Well, with that, no, we're going to st- uh, start on the uh, financial fact of the week. Yeah. So based on the 2024 forecast from 14 sell side Wall Street firms, the average strategist price target for the S and P 500 was 48, just a little over 4,800. Um, as of that's 12 18 23 so about a month ago with the S&P 500 closing at just uh 4775 on 12 26 23 so strategists are collectively looking for an increase of just 2.1% in 2024 and not even one expects double-digit percentage gains for the year. So interesting. It comes from CNBC. Yeah, we always make fun of these strategists. They yeah. have no clue what yeah. the market's going to do. As an example, in 2023, um, a lot of forecasts were for the S&P 500 to make you know 3 or 4%, mm-hmm. and it made double digits. Of course. <clears throat> and they, of course, didn't predict the down bear market in 2022. So you know, when you start looking at these forecasts, just don't... Um, <laughs> just constantly don't, revising their forecasts. And That's they all are. you got to do is just revise, revise. Yeah, until you get to the end of the year. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's going to be, yeah. this is the number. So <laughs> just don't make decisions based on those forecasts. The, the analysts, they, they, you know, they really don't know what's, what's going to happen. And um, that kind of leads us into our first topic. And this is from uh, Morningstar. And it's, uh, the title is, is if you want to lose your money, listen to millionaires. And there was a recent um, survey done, um, actually it was back in November of 2022, and it asked, CNBC asked 761 people who owned at least a million dollars in investments, how the stocks are going to perform in 2023. And and 56% of them responded that U.S. equities would lose at least 10%. Mm-hmm. And over the previous half century, I mean, stocks had declined by that much only six previous times in 50 years. So you know, either most of the survey participants were, you know, unusually insightful, you know, able to predict an event that had only occurred, you know, a, a very small percentage of the time, or they just followed market forecast. <clears throat> it just didn't feel good coming into 2023. And uh, what's more, the last time the polls respondents were so bearish it was in 2008. And uh, that's when millionaires, um, you know, yeah, a lot of people got it right then in 2008, but a lot of people also stayed out of the markets, yep. never got back in. 2009 was a banner year, and if you stayed out of it, the decade was incredible. So uh, trying to make decisions based on these headlines is not not wise. Not wise. And so problem number one is, is really just recency bias. Um, admittedly, you know, the survey was unscientific, how CNBC selected it's 761 participants from among the several mil- million possibilities is unclear, but given that question where it uh, administered online, the results is unlikely to pass an academic muster. So besides most people realize they cannot predict equity returns, uh, ask the question and they may respond. Uh, however, that doesn't mean that they truly believe their answers. Yeah, we hear that a lot. So nevertheless, the exercise was revealing. As with all endeavors, investment predictions are strongly affected by recency bias. Um, after a well-publicized plane crash, airline travelers become, you know, wary, scared. You know, they fear, you know, of something might happen. Um, so, you know, typically we see fear flying. Oh, that's actually a very relevant topic right now. I, I, I guarantee you, there will be no one sitting next to the um, no. the exit door on an airplane. Yeah. Did you see that? Yeah, that was. <clears throat> Fortunately, no one was sitting there, but the the door the came off. Mm-hmm. And then they found that 
the problem that caused it on a couple other planes. They've grounded them. Yeah, so that seat is going to be empty. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, and, you know, obviously people become, you know, scared by that recency bias. But if you like looked at the data, the odds of that happening to you oh, are heckably low, right? Yeah. So, you know, consumers are fa- fonder of larger um, SUVs when gas prices are depressed than when they are spiking. So, right, they another recency bias we see a lot. And when asked about the stock market prospects, um, you know, retail investors are gloomiest after a bear market. So, yeah. Just how humans are. And we saw that coming into 2023 after Absolutely. a bear market in 2022. Yeah, was... And so that's problem number one, recency bias, and it's real. <clears throat> problem number two is groupthink. Um, for the most part, professionals avoid um, such errors. I mean, you know, we've attended business schools, we've read articles, and, and um, you know, where they've instructed folks to avoid recency bias and also groupthink as well. And uh, given the difficulty of making forecasts, discretion becomes better um, part of valor. So their predictions are therefore more steadier than a lot of the millionaires' outlooks. So entering 2023, the median projection among 20 Wall Street firms for the total return of the S&P 500 was about 4.5%. So more conservative than usual because the S&P has made historically about 10%, but it was much above where retail investors guessed, right? So they at least thought it was going to be a positive return. I think the S&P 500 ended up being up, I don't know, 26%. It was That's in the, right, yeah. it was in the 20% range and that was coming off of a 18% loss in 2022. So it had yeah. a lot of ground to make up, but significantly different than retail investors and also professional forecasters as well. And so where professionals run into trouble is with economic forecast. Um, they're also expected to provide those and with the task, um, you know, they, they do that as part of their job. So when asked in October, 2022 about the, uh, 2023, um, Gross domestic, gross domestic product, GDP growth, the Wall Street strategist gave a median answer of um, a basically flat. Um, and only 11 of the 78 respondents predicted a growth rate that equaled or exceeded the 50-year annualized <laughs> average rate of 2.6. And in fact, um, that's what 2023 recorded. So Jeez. if you look yeah. at all these <clears throat> economic forecasts, they're, they're always going to be wrong. Yeah, high or low, no one really knows. So don't make decisions based on these headlines. Uh, consequently, those who use these economic predictions to guide their investments almost certainly suffered for that decision and missed a great 2023. And typically, the arrival of a recession is accompanied by bond market strength, and, and you also have stock market weakness, um, albeit with relatively good good showings from some sectors like consumer staples and healthcare. But in 2023, Ryan, I mean, it was completely opposite. You know, long yeah. bonds struggled to break even. They didn't do well. Uh, equity soared. And conspicuously absent from the stock market rally um, were businesses from the defensive sector. So it was just, it was an unusual year. But, you know, you can really say that about pretty much every year. And to some extent, the economics, uh, economists' fears were, were justified. I mean, there was an inverted yield curve um, by rising, short, you know, increasing short-term interest rates. Um, and that usually um, precedes a recession. But the professional economists are paid to anticipate these exceptions, and very few did in, um, in 2023. And also, they missed the 2021 inflationary spike. So it's interesting. I don't know if who's better, um, you know, these forecasters or the weather forecasters. Yeah, Sometimes was... you, you, know, you look at that and you're like, what were they, what were they seeing that yeah. didn't happen? And that's what we see in, in a lot of these financial forecasts. Absolutely. And yeah. Um, you know, problem three is really wishful thinking. So a long standing joke from former boss 
Don Phillips is that portfolio managers inevitably comment that the previous year was dominated by a single simple trend. You will now hear that making money in 2023 merely requires owning the Magnificent Seven. Mm. So that's obviously we've heard of these before. Google, Amazon, Apple, Meta, which is the Facebook group, Microsoft, NVIDIA, and Tesla. Um, whereas profiting in 2022 meant avoiding both stocks um, and bonds because the Federal Reserve was uh, stifling each marketplace uh, by increasing interest rates. Buying growth stocks uh, sufficed in 2021 and so forth. So, yeah, I mean, if you if you look at um, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? Yeah. It seems seems easy now. Twenty twenty three, those magnificent seven did fantastic. If you look at those seven stocks in twenty twenty two, you would have lost thirty to fifty percent. Exactly. So it's easy to look back. I mean, our belief is diversified. Um, you know, have a diversified portfolio. And if you look in twenty twenty four now, Bank of America and BlackRock and a lot of these other firms are now saying, hey, 2024 is going to be a stock picker's paradise um, and is ripe for stock picking. And, um, you know, Leon Cooperman <clears throat> says, you know, stock picker's market. Toronto's Dennis Mitchell claims the same for the Canadian marketplace. And no, no doubt there's actual analysis intermixed with their wishful thinking. Um, but don't, don't overlook the powerful influence of their wishful thinking. I mean, no one knows what's going to win in 2024, there's there's no way to, to figure out. There's so many so many variables um, that what we see and what we believe in, the Dave Ramseys of the world, is to be diversified. Um, and so it's interesting going into 2023, all the negativity and how well it turned out. And a lot of people missed 2023. They missed a fantastic market. Yeah. Um, and that changes retirement. So our advice to you is, you know, when you see these headlines, um, don't make rash decisions. Don't let your emotions, um, you know, take over your decision making. If you look at the year-to-date results through October, they were not very good. And then mm -hmm. the two months in November and December were stellar. I mean, yeah. they were phenomenal, like up 15 to 20% in those two months. So um, just, you know, turn off the news. If you have questions, if you're working with us or another advisor, reach out to them. Um, yeah. We don't have the – I can't tell you what the market's going to do either – this year. Um, and I'm glad I'm not in a position or a role to have to do that. Yeah. What we prefer to do is be diversified, have it wrap it in a plan and a process. And we've seen historically that has worked fairly well. Yeah. And we say tune out the noise is what we call that. It's just noise. It's a distraction and it causes people to make mistakes. It does. I have a question. Yes. Those Magnificent Seven, think back to when you first started in this business. What were the top five? If you can remember, I'm just curious, what, how has it changed? Well, so back in, so that was 2007 when I started, um, GE was up there. Okay, uh, And yeah. um, GE, I used to work for GE many years ago, and it was the most admired company. It had Jack Welch. It was on, you know, all the magazines, um, great management program, and quite frankly, their stock price has done nothing for 20 years. Wow. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting to see the, the downfall of GE and what happened. They made some bad business decisions. Um, Walmart was always up there. Okay. Um, Gosh, who back in two thousand? Coca Cola. Then? Yeah, Coca Cola, Exxon. The the yeah. you know they were they were super big. Amazon was starting, and Apple obviously was 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 beginning as well. But it was more the manufacturing and and operational companies. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So. Yep. <clears throat> All right. So we're going to switch gears here and do the question of the week. And that question is: Are there any ways to reduce my twenty twenty three taxes, even though we are already into twenty twenty four? And 
The answer is yes. Um, there are some limited opportunities. Um, contributing to an IRA account, you have up until tax day, which is April the 15th. Yep. Um, so when you're doing your taxes, um, you can see if you're eligible. Um, most software programs, you can you know, put in, you know, $7,000 or 6500 um, whatever the, the, the age you are, and it'll tell you if you're eligible and it'll reduce your taxes. You can kind of do a what-if associated with it. HSAs, healthcare yeah. savings accounts, are another one um, as well that you can you can uh, put money into as well. So um, if you have a business, SEP, SEP uh, yeah. IRAs are a big one. A lot of people do contributions in March when they figure out, oh my goodness, I owe taxes. <laughs> you know, put an extra ten grand in or whatever the number is. Um, so yeah, there there's some some ways to do that. Quick uh, rule on SEP: Can you open one up? So like, could you open one up now and contribute for the past tax year, or do you, or do you already have to have it open? I, I think you can. Okay. Yeah, I yeah. think you can open it up. Is is the, I mean, because the SEP is typically for um, uh, an individual. Most yeah. business owners, uh, if they're um, by themselves, um, will do a SEP account. Because when you have a SEP account, you have to contribute the same percentage for all your employees. So if you have 10 employees and you're contributing 15% of your salary, you're required to do that for all the other employees. So it's it's an expensive option. So yeah. for most most business owners, they, they do it themselves. Sure. Yeah. All right. Good question. All right. So uh, going to more taxes. Yeah. This is uh, for those who want to have some help falling asleep when they listen to this. We're going to talk about taxes, some fun stuff. Oh, this um, is good. Yeah. Well, this is to help. Hey, how do we lower our taxes in 24? This comes from Laura Saunders at the Wall Street Journal. I really like to read her stuff. She's just got a lot of really insightful articles out there. And so, yeah, it's a new tax year. It's a great time to start making some tax moves and really avoiding some what she says, dumb ones. Um, the differences matter a lot because taxes are often the largest factor affecting you know, investment returns in a portfolio. They also matter to your retirement savings, your home, and your donations, among other things. So main thing is we wanted to help you kick off 2024 with some smart tax moves. So the first thing we're going to go over is uh, you know, keep an eye on your AGI. So AGI stands for Adjusted Gross Income. So found on line 11 of form of the 2023 form uh, 1040. You know, it's a very common form you hear mm-hmm. about. Um, AGI measures the filer's income before Schedule A, itemized deductions and tax credits. So it's typically larger than taxable income on line 15. So keep that in mind. A lot of people don't realize that. AGI is a key number. For example, the income limits for making direct contributions to traditional IRAs and Roth IRAs are pegged to AGI. So most married couples who have more than 228000 of AGI for 2023 can't make Roth IRA contributions. Um, this income threshold for allowable med- medical expense uh, deductions is also at 7.5% of your AGI. So AGI is tied to what you owe the government, the United States government as well. So there's a 3.8 surtax on net investment income, such as interest, dividends, capital gains, uh, kicks in an AGI of 200000 for most single filers, and two hundred fifty thousand for you know those married filing jointly. You know these thresholds aren't indexed for inflation. Income-based Medicare premiums, known as IRMA, also um, use AGI. So, savvy taxpayers uh, watch their AGI. You know, want to be looking out at that every year. Uh, with the rise of interest rates, it's important to check whether income from bank accounts, CDs, or bonds is pushing you into that three point eight surtax or or deeper into it. So. To help with this task, financial firms, uh, like all the big houses, uh, provide estimates of annual taxable income from your investments. So watch for AGI. 
Yeah, AGI is a <clears throat> is a big deal, and uh, I would say if you're working with a, a CPA or a financial advisor, they should be able to give you some ideas as yeah. well. I know we spend a lot of time on that internally. So, what reduces AGI? Um, making pre tax contributions to a retirement plan like four hundred one ks, four hundred three bs for those that work at hospitals and schools, and um, traditional IRAs as well. So, in timing, uh, also in timing, timing investment gains by pushing maybe a year-end stock sale into the next year could also help. So having low or no income, such as um, from municipal bonds, can lower AGI as well because they're not going to be taxed um, at a federal level. So um, another thing that you want to look at is um, if you have a low-income year, don't waste it. So maybe you're a new retiree and your income has dropped off and you have different sources of income, or maybe you're 20-something entering or leaving the workforce due to school, um, or maybe you've been caught up in a layoff. So whatever the cause of that low-income year, make sure that you do some smart tax moves during that. Um, that can include you know, maybe converting, doing a Roth conversion of your traditional IRA, um, or maybe you're contributing some after-tax dollars to a Roth IRA if you have enough earned income from wages or self-employment. So, you know, sometimes these low income years, <clears throat> the hundred, um, the 12% tax bracket goes up to $120,000. That's a pretty low tax bracket. One we probably won't see for many, many years. So probably if you're not. in that tax bracket doing some tax moves, turns out to be a pretty good idea. Yeah. And so do you hold appreciated assets such as stock shares in a taxable account? Uh, well, when you sell, the tax could be $0 if your income is low enough. So that's a great you know, tax freebie for you. Uh, so just be in mind of those things. Um, pay attention to that. Um, the next is be aware of the state tax traps and money market funds. So this is something I'm more recently learning about and just a little bit more in the weeds here. So in 2023, investors loaded up on money market funds, uh, holding government debt to grab the benefits of higher interest rates uh, with minimal credit risk. Uh, but this boon has a catch for investors expecting the income to be free of state tax. So while it's true the states can't tax income from federal obligations, uh, this exemption is for treasuries, savings bonds, and bonds from some agencies, but not others. Uh, it doesn't include income from treasuries repurchase agreements. So this is known as repos. And many money market funds now hold a lot of those. So if 80% of the money market fund assets are in repos and 20% are in treasuries, only 20% of the income will be free of state tax. Yeah. Well, that is detailed. That is detailed. <clears throat> but it's it, it impacts. It's, it's, it's good to know. And investors in, in high-tax states like California, New York, and Connecticut fare worse because no portion of the fund's income is exempt from state taxes unless more than 50% of the assets were in state tax-free holdings at the quarter end. So the bottom line is investors who want to skip state taxes on government bond funds should consider treasury-only funds because it'll only be taxed at the federal level. So um, another thing to, to think about in 2024, <clears throat> if you have the unfortunate event that, that you have a, a spouse um, pass away, um, obviously it's a major loss um, you know, from a, a life standpoint. Um, but also, you know, taxes are something that you have to think about, and it's important not to overlook them. Um, the The year of the death is the the last year that the survivor can file a joint tax return, um, which also often results in lower taxes. So the year of death can be a prime time to accelerate income, such as a Roth IRA conversion. Um, so it's 
something that you need to keep on your radar. It's not fun to think about, um, mm-hmm. but it is something that we deal with when someone passes away. We, you know, we realize that when you're in a single um, tax bracket and you have a lot of income, your taxes are going to be higher. Absolutely. And, you know, in selling assets, you know, including a home, be sure to consider the step up in cost basis. Under this provision, you know, investment assets held at death aren't subject to capital gains. Um, Tax-wise decisions about asset sales after death often turn uh, on the step up. So the next is keep records of your home improvements. Uh, This is primarily due to just um, if you sell your home, you know, if you have capital uh, gains due, uh, you know, you just want to keep that in mind. So there is an exemption. So for single fathers, uh, 250000 is the exemption and 500000 for married couples. So this really wipes, you know, any capital gains tax out for pretty much anybody. Um, but if you are above that, you know, it's good um, to keep record of all the improvements to your home, like new appliances or additions. Um, because, yeah, if you ever were to go over that threshold, you can utilize that. Um and so for more, you know, if you want to look up what renovations are eligible, see IRS publication 523. Uh, so keep that in mind. Good to just keep that on record anyways, just for lots of reasons. Um, the next is don't miss out on tax breaks for qualified charitable distributions. Hmm. So QCDs, as we call it. For charitably inclined donors at least age 70 and a half, QCDs are often an outstanding tax break. They allow owners for traditional IRAs to make non-taxable withdrawals and transfer them directly to charities while still qualifying for standard deduction. Um, As QCDs don't raise adjusted gross income, they don't contribute to raising other taxes or certain Medicare premiums. Yeah, but this next point is is really important. It's easy to miss claiming these QCDs on the tax return because the 1099-R report that you get from your IRA sponsor um, to the IRS, it doesn't break out the QCD. It just shows one line item um, and the uh, total amount that you took out of the the IRA, and you're going to have to make an adjustment um, and reduce what you gave on a QCD basis to a, a nonprofit, so you're not you know taxed again on it. So it's an important point. I wish they broke that out. It seems like they could yeah. put a box on the 1099 that says, "Hey, this is a QCD amount," but they they don't. So make sure when you're filing your taxes, maybe you write a note at the top of it, um, just to note that. So another one that you want to make sure is that you, you you don't get caught by higher interest rates on tax underpayments. And the U.S. income tax is a pay-as-you-go, and most Americans must pay at least 90% of their taxes long before April the 15th, or there's going to be interest-based penalties. Yeah, these charges didn't matter much when interest rates were super low, but following the Federal Reserve's rate increase, the rate on underpayments which reset quarterly, has climbed to 8% annually. So be on the lookout for that. Um, so yeah, now that it's in the new year, it's always good to be on the lookout for just smart uh, tax-saving moves. We just hope this helps. Just yeah. and, and talk to a CPA. You know, work with a CPA, make sure you're making the right decisions on that. And yeah, well, that was good. Good discussion. Yeah, absolutely. Just in time for uh, April 15th, because like you said, we can do stuff before yeah. for 2023. Absolutely. So. And we'll close out the show today with the prescription of the week. Yeah, so just... Talking about budgeting, so make sure you have your budget in place for the new year. Um, make adjustments from your previous year and consider making one uh, a budget if you haven't done it in the following year. It's just a great way to get the year start off um, on a on the right track. We were talking about goals at the beginning of the episode, and budgeting just helps give every dollar an assignment to where your money goes and helps give clarity and freedom with your overall financial planning. So make a budget, you know. Yeah, and I would say do it if you're married. Do um, make sure your spouse is included, uh, your significant other. If you're if you're not, have a an accountability partner 
And that, the other thing I would say, just doing this so long now, is um, <clears throat> start out with budgeting what's most important to you. Mm. If it's paying off debt, make that like, all right, this is our number one goal. Maybe it's the emergency fund. All right, we're going to put our resources into that. Maybe it's giving. Um, you got to figure out what your goals are and put that at the top of the list, fund those, and then you're going to have some left over that you're going to be like, well, yeah, we can do this trip or we can yeah. do a renovation or something like that. So make sure you're budgeting for those most important things to you and your your family. Also a good time to just cut out things that you don't need. You know, maybe it's you have too many streaming services or, you know, monthly costs. Just do an audit on all of those things and try to kind of be able to assign that money to where it needs to go so you can be successful in 24. Yep. Very good. So this has been this week's edition of MoneyMD. Tune in next week on MoneyMD.net to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Check out our website, MoneyMD.net. Send us your questions or give us a call at Richard Young Associates, 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening and have a great weekend. Is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment tax or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. All hosts are representatives of Richard Young Associates and Registered Investment Advisor.